Andy. Call the Car Donation Center at 877-411-3662 or fill out the Donate Now form online at kpfa.org to schedule a convenient time to pick up your vehicle. Give the tow truck driver your signed title and, of course, the keys. And that's it. When your vehicle sells, you'll receive a thank you letter and an IRS tax form 1098. Thank you for supporting community-powered KPFA. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is November the 24th. 2015. Fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. It's going to be a bumpy century. We've hit several bumps already. President Obama is off to that big conference. Uh, <laughs> uh, theoretically, it's about uh, uh, climate change and all that. Uh, but I think there will be... Uh, political things to talk about all the other heads of state are coming uh yeah let's put all those heads together and save western civilization sounds like a plan Angela Merkel is cool she never any BS from her the president our president Obama is playing his cards close to his chest. No posturing. None of the nonsense that, uh, you know, those macho men, the ones who indulge in, <laughs> in beating their chests like silverback uh, primates. That's a better word for it than apes. Anyway, that's a bad form, boys. Uh, I want to talk about an article called Paris is Burning. I don't really have time, but um, <laughs> I, I hope you have a chance to look it up because uh, I can't unpack the whole thing. But uh, if you're interested in uh, what's happening in Paris, well, uh, the article is called Paris is Burning. It's about the exodus of French Jews, many or most of whom uh are going to Israel. Uh, now, uh, that's the view of the writer of this article, that is, Paris is burning. She's Marie Brennan. 
other people say that this exodus, exodus is in response to the new tax laws. Hmm. Always, always more than one opinion. Anyway, Marie Brenner, uh, Brenner, B-R-E-N-N-E-R, her essay centers on a Jewish activist, uh, a man who has led the struggle against anti-Semitism in France for 15 years. Uh, let's see now, what is his name? I got the article right here. His name is Sammy Goslin, G-H-O-Z-L-A-N. For some reason, they nicknamed him the Kosher Chicken. I'm not quite sure why. Something to do with the poulet being, uh, oh, it's French for chicken. I don't quite get that. Anyway, um, actually, this guy, this guy is, uh, what do you call that? Uh, one of those characters that everyone identifies with, uh, <laughs> with the struggle. Let's call it the, the struggle, uh, for uh, resistance to uh, anti-Semitism. Let's see. He oversees France's National Bureau for Vigilance Against Anti-Semitism. A lot of abbreviations. He's got the community hotlines and he keeps turning out uh, pamphlets and brochures and bugging everybody. He used to call that a gadfly. Anyway, Sammy Goslin is a 72-year-old retired police commissioner, and he spent his career uh, working out in the racially mixed suburbs that surround Paris. Uh, I have to say that when I drove through those suburbs just once, 1989, uh, I, I have to say it looked to me as if, well... Uh, I don't want to say something that sounds racist. <laughs> it didn't look good. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I look here at the article, and I I know that statistics are always uh, they're called misleading. But France has 66 million souls, and uh, five million of those souls are Muslims, and half a million are Jews. Uh, well, can take that anywhere you like. Uh, this guy, Sammy, the uh, <laughs> kosher chicken, has decided finally to move permanently to his home in Israel. He keeps going back and forth, but apparently, uh, apparently he's had it. Uh, again, the article is in the August issue of Vanity Fair. August 2015 Vanity Fair. Now, you see, it was written before, before the slaughter in Paris that killed 130 persons and injured more than 300. Uh, the August article. Uh, wait a minute. There's another article here. I meant to tell you, yes. Uh, another article. Uh, is by Roger Cohen. It's called The Charlie War. Now, that one deals with the staff over at uh, Charlie Hemno. You remember? <laughs> I hope everybody remembers. I think it's back in January where 12 uh, 
staff members were slain. And uh, that article tries to deal with those murders and the one at the kosher delicatessen uh, seems that that young terrorist over there, he seems to have been in search of glory. I notice, uh, yes, his words overheard, I don't know if it's true, but uh, is reported to have said after he uh, took his gun and killed the people, he said, the prophet has given me an order. Oh, it's nice to know who you work for. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, there really isn't, as I say, time to unpack all this, but the funny thing about that article uh, that Charlie wore is that the staff uh, is very, very conflicted about what to do with all the money. Apparently, after the uh, massacre, after this slaughter, the money you know, poured in... Uh, oceans of it and now what's to do you know they used to be just a nice underground uh, satirical mag and now now they they have to rethink the whole thing uh anyway uh as i said before uh, the original, the first article, Paris is Burning, is about anti-Semitism in France. And that issue is so fraught uh, with fury, at least in my community, uh, with political angst, that I think I'll just wait a bit and uh, maybe I'll bring down here a book. Ah, uh, one of my favorite books about uh, Europe in the 40s. It was written by the late Odette Meyer. She's a friend, a French woman who lived here in Berkeley many years, and she survived her childhood in hiding during the Nazi occupation of France. As an autobiography, it's called Doors to Madame Marie, and I like it because it's, what is it? Uh, it's tangible. It's reality. It's authentic. Uh, the history, well, gives you a, a personal view of the history of France during the years when so many French men and women discovered that they were no longer French citizens. No, indeed, my friend Odette uh, went into hiding with a family out of the in the country outside the city. Uh, her landlady, Marie, that's it. Uh, uh, the book is called. Uh, yes, the book is named for. Marie. She went to a Catholic school at one point, and there she learned so many things. Uh, yes, surely some of it added to her sweetness. I hope I can find time to read you some of that book. Um, I just love one bit where uh, this Jewish child, my friend Odette, uh, she was pretending to be a Gentile, and she learned from her neighbors that one of the reasons to condemn the Jews was that so many of them were in uh, the uh, garment business. They were garment merchants and uh, manufactured and sold skimpy bathing suits, thus contributing to the immorality of the young. Anyway, Odette adds... Um, in the book that many years later when she returned, when she went back, visited France and asked some uh, asked a woman 
in the region where she had uh, where she had stayed during the terrible years. She asked this woman how the people felt now about the Jews, uh, about history, and the woman said, "Oh no, no, everything is different now. We all uh, we're all different because um, you have television, and uh, she's seen the story about Anne Frank, right? So she was." Up to date, go figure. I really uh, don't want to unpack the world's socio-political, economic ills. History happens. Mother Nature and Father Greed will couple together. And oh my God, there I go again. No, no venting. Ah, still. Shall we not sing as the night comes on day after tomorrow's Thanksgiving? Let's think about giving thanks. Yes, I'm thankful I've survived. Thankful Odette survived. Uh, I say to myself every day, more eat than starve, I think. I think gratitude is a better word than thanks. Hillary Clinton once said she was... She tried to practice a kind of religion of gratitude, you know, when things got really rough, when that vast right-wing conspiracy tried to impeach her husband, she said. She was grateful for the fresh flowers all over the White House. Every morning, fresh flowers, every day. Ah, uh, me, I just go out and water the plants. Yes, look for a new leaf. I have a few hibiscus left. Anyway, last week, Gloria Steinem was on the uh, airwaves on the other station. She said she was grateful for librarians. No, 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 that was not exactly what she said. She was asked if feminism saved her life, you know. Uh, so many women say that. She said, she said librarians saved her life. That's it, that's it. Words. Ah, uh, history. The truth, maybe, at least as much as we can find. Uh, I'm just a culture vulture, I guess. I try to uh, examine the art, read, you know, read the uh, the scene, the, the zeitgeist spirit of the age, you know, the literature. Uh, the films and the books and the plays. I figure there's less lying there than there is in the, in the male stream news. I look to Greek tragedy and Elizabethan comedy, and that's where I find the story of man and even a woman. Last night I saw a play, and uh, I just thought it was terrific. It was called Honky, H-O-N-K-Y, Honky. You can get it on demand. You just punch up on demand. It's PBS, K-Q-E-D, local, local uh, TV. Now, uh, look up, go down the list and look up On Stage in America. The playwright is Greg Callap. Calaris, K-A-L-L-E-R-E-S. Uh, and stage on stage in America. Uh, let's see. This play was taped at the San Diego Rep. Uh, 
And the title is Honky, and that's a clue to what it's all about. It's all about language, politically correct language. Watch your mouth. Uh, uh, maybe not so much. Uh, it's um, broad comedy, some farce. Uh, there's eight actors, uh, only two women. One is a black psychiatrist. <laughs> She's worried about being too white. The other, the other woman is a creamy white blonde. Uh, a surprisingly articulate woman, although... There are times when she doesn't seem to know she's white. Uh, when she's up against her black lover's accusations, uh, <clears throat> she finally pulls herself together and uh, says some real things. I, I wrote them down. Anyway, the characters learn the limits of their understanding. You know, the wonderful phrase, I am not a racist. Golda Meyer once visited San Francisco so many years ago, and she addressed a very large audience in one of the big hotels. And she started her speech by saying, Good evening, fellow racists. And so much song about all this, uh, so much clowning, uh, Honky is actually uh, uh, a comedy. It's clowning. Uh, we know that this race thing is a gigantic cliche, and they show you uh, how we're trapped by our own words. Uh, one character is a salesman for those basketball shoes, and uh, <laughs> he's a tormented soul because a young boy was shot get the shoes, you know. There's a magic drug comes along. Uh, it's going to cure racism. Uh, and some of the characters try it. Driscatol, uh, Driscatol. <laughs> There's a terrific performance by a young actor who plays Frederick Douglass. Uh, it's a knockout. He's a side effect of the drug. He's a hallucination, you know. The white salesman is trying to figure things out, and uh, <laughs> he gets Frederick Douglass mixed up with a number of other major black, uh, what would we call them, icons, legends. Uh, he has uh, a lot of guilt, so <clears throat> he took that Driscoll, and I think his meeting with Fred, uh, Frederick Douglass is, uh, is it one for the books. I. I'd like to get a copy of that and ask students, high school students, would just love to do that scene. The same actor, the Frederick Douglass actor, plays a, a rap artist. And the play all comes together uh, in a scene in which there is, I guess, some understanding of our shared fate of both races. Uh Ah, oh, James Baldwin tried to do that. Um, one of the characters mentions a book called Another Country, only he gets the author wrong. That's James Baldwin's book, uh, my favorite Creole novel, in which black and white characters try to uh, see the world as the other one sees it. 
There's some insight. Uh, a line comes along that I, I wrote down, right? No one, no one owns their own pain anymore. Certainly true. I, I kind of think we're all in, in little boxes. We have hardening of the categories. Uh, I, I had hoped there would be more references to the distinctions between race and color. Tony Morrison has tackled that one, but oh, that's a toughie. The language just doesn't help. Anyway, the DNA will. We'll try to try to use that DNA, and that'll explain to the young people. But it's just still too hot. Uh, people get upset. Oh, the N word gets a going over in this play, honky. And uh, I have to hand it uh, to Eddie Murphy. He's not in this show, but he was on TV last night getting the Mark Twain Prize. Yes, I started my evening watching. Uh, Watching Eddie Murphy do Eddie Murphy. He claimed the N-word as his own. I don't know whether it's his own pain, but he certainly, he certainly had fun with it. Uh, I saw dear old Dick Gregory in the audience. I, I'm sure it was Dick Gregory. He's a very old man now. Uh, the look on his face, uh, <laughs> At that point, right. Uh, you may remember Dick Gregory's autobiography. He used the N-word for the title, no capital letter. He told his mother, he said, whenever you hear that word, you know they're, you know, they're selling my book. Check it out. Honky. Go to On Demand, get PBS KQED on stage in America. I just think it's cool to take words and just shake them till they mean what they say. Dick Gregory used to say that the way to uh, disarm a word was to use it. I'm not sure, obviously, it's not working, but uh, we shall see. Uh, I don't know. Abuse it, use it. He said if we use it enough, it will just melt. I don't know. I want to give you uh, a spin. This is the best. This is the best quote I could find on words and language. Um, Noam Chomsky does linguistics. I should have majored in linguistics. Maybe I wouldn't be so confused. This is Lewis Carroll in Through the Looking Glass. Do you remember Alice? Through the Looking Glass. Uh, there's a little conversation between Alice and Humpty Dumpty, and this tends it down. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said, in rather a scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean. Neither more nor less. The question is, said Alice, whether you can make words mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, which is to be master? That's all. 
<laughs> the master. Uh, the kind of groups I used to go to many years ago called this the dominance submission paradigm. That's pretty grim. Never mind. I've only got a few minutes left and I have eight films, books, plays, and movies. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, yes, the one I'm most thankful for, well, the actor I'm most thankful for is Julie Walters in uh, Indian Summers. It's on PBS. We've had uh, seven episodes so far, end of the first season this past weekend. It's all about India in 1932. Uh, independence, you know, came in 1947. We have the British and then we have the Indians. Uh, Julie Walters calls them natives. She insists they are natives. She gives a portrait of the most thoroughly obnoxious colonial bigot. Uh, really, really tops. I think she should get them. One of those awards, you know, they give Emmys and things, but she is the uh, mistress of the old guard. Uh, absolutely deadly. Uh, you may have seen Julie Walters in a terrific uh, comedy, another uh, British offering. It's called Paddington. It's about Paddington Bear. It's for kids. I love it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful story. She, She's... Uh, an old, old curmudgeon. She manages to drink a guy under the table. You know, she's trying to distract him because dear Paddington Bear is being chased by a taxidermist, that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, I'm ready to write her a, a fan letter. I don't think I've ever done that. I must do that. Anyway, uh, oh, so many. It's a show called Leftovers. It's surrealism about uh, the... Nature of society, it's a fantasy. Oh, God, leftovers. Too complicated, I'll have to save it. It's all existential angst. Uh, the masterpiece of the moment is called The Nick, K-N-I-C-K, The Nick. Very hard to get. It's on uh, Encore. Uh, gee whiz. Uh, it's, uh, oh, golly, uh, may have to just rent the darn thing. It's about the Knickerbocker Hospital, New York City, 1900. The lead is Clive Owen. He's the head surgeon. He's also addicted to opium, cocaine, and so on. Uh, science struggling with human nature, corruption, cultural change, class, gender. Mostly the state of medicine in 1900. Warning, warning. Absolutely terrifying stuff. Uh, there's cruelty and compassion and some some Catholic fun. There's an Irish nun, an abortionist, who really, really does try to do the right thing. I think she's in jail at the moment, right? Um, the health inspector, right? He he's the uh, he's the guy that takes the money. Well, you you know, about that time there was a tremendous epidemic in the water, and he was under the well, he told everybody that um, typhoid and so forth and cholera, that only the poor got these diseases and that the water supply um, for the rich was okay. Anyway, one last, I just don't have time to tell you these things. 
if you're a history buff the way I am, you may enjoy not just Vikings, my all-time favorite this year, uh, but another show called The Last Kingdom. It's on the BBC and the awful, awful BBC still runs commercials. It's unbearable, but if you wait till it's on demand, The Last Kingdom is all about Alfred the Great and the coming of England. Uh, it's He's Wessex, and he takes all the other little kingdoms and put them together and calls it England. In the show, the Vikings, uh, the Danes, the people who have invaded Britain, they're kind of uh, top dog. So I, I see the two shows as competing. Vikings and the Last Kingdom. Uh, one's the 8th century, and then the Last Kingdom is the 9th century. Till next week, at the same time, this has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. KPFA Winter Crafts Fair returns to the Craneway Pavilion on the Richmond Waterfront December 19th and 20th, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., featuring inspiring and affordable art and crafts displayed in a warm-spirited atmosphere right on the edge of the San Francisco Bay. The KPFA Winter Crafts Fair showcases 200 professional artists all on hand to tell you about their work. There's live music both days and the return of the KPFA Lounge. And this year, a special quilt exhibition, Conversations in Fiber, featuring three masters of the art of quilting. All proceeds benefit listener-sponsored KPFA. There's a free shuttle from Richmond BART. Admission is $12, $8 for